praise you and bless you this morning, Lord. We just come before you as your sons and daughters through the blood of your son, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, and we love it that you love us first. And so into this, uh, this is just swimming pool of your love, we jump this morning, Lord, and we want to experience that and be reassured of that in a thousand ways in our songs and the word and the way you move in the power of your Holy Spirit. And so I just thank you, God. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for every one of them. I thank you, God, that you got them up this morning, that you drew them by your hand into this room to sing these songs of praises to you, to hear this word from you, to respond to the move of your spirit. I thank you for every one of them. I thank you for whoever they are and wherever they are, Lord. And I just ask your blessing on each one of us today as we gather in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'd like to start this morning by thanking those of you guys who came out yesterday for the All Church Cleaning Day. Well done. Well done. Always so proud of you when I see you guys rolling up your sleeves like that. Uh, Tiffany Sorensen, as many of you know, has been on our staff for 10 years and uh, more recently it has been added to her world to uh, oversee all the, the facilities, logistics, and all that stuff in addition to everything else that she does. And so she launched that all-church cleaning day, and I, I just love to see who comes to that. I really do. I just love to see that. I love to see Ron and Kathy Jones' home group leaders coming and rolling up their sleeves and, and, and that sort of thing. You know, it really says a lot about a person's heart when they'll do that kind of thing. And just seeing all kinds of different people coming and... You know, the Bible says I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked, right? And so when I, when I look around and I just see people come and bring that heart, ah, that's just an incredible encouragement to me. So I just wanted to thank all of you guys who were able to come out and participate in that yesterday. And uh, hopefully this uh, aroma of uh, Lysol or whatever it is, what, pine salt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be overpowered by the fragrance of the Holy Spirit here in, in due course of time. So anyway, well, hey, we've been talking about kingdom authority here. I've been enjoying bringing these teachings and seeing your responses to these teachings on kingdom authority. And by kingdom authority, you know, we're just talking about that authority that Jesus gave to us. We're talking about the permission and the power that Jesus wants to give to every believer to continue the works of his ministry. When he said, I tell you the truth, if anyone has faith in me, he'll do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He was setting us up to be recipients of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we would receive both his permission and his power to go and do these things, these powerful things in the name of Jesus. We've been talking about kingdom authority as the ability to withstand the attacks of the devil. And, uh, you know, it's true that some days are better than others, right? But every victory is won by God. And the devil comes, and every victory is won by God. And the dispensation of kingdom authority that he gives us is the thing that he gives us to be able to fight and stand against the, the wiles of the devil, as it says in Ephesians. Kingdom authority is the fruit that comes from sitting in the right place, from taking our seats in the heavenly realms, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, as it says 
so clearly in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, where it just says that's where our seats are, that's where we're meant to sit, that's where we're meant to live from. It's not in some long-distance relationship with Jesus, but seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And the fullness of that will become obvious to us over time, but, uh, you know, and in heaven, but we're meant to live from there now. And when we sit there, the kingdom authority flows to us. And this kingdom authority is something that creates in us a consistently victorious spirit, a heart that says, no, the Lord's going to win this. The Lord's going to win this, and I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be a participant in the Lord's victory. And just that consistent victorious spirit. And, you know, as I tried to say last week, is the, the kingdom authority is the badge, the badge that God really gives to us to live behind as, uh, as representatives of his authority and dispensing that authority into the forward motion of the kingdom of God here on the earth. Well, today I want to continue the series um, with maybe a more practical question, and that's how do I get this? How do I get some of this kingdom authority? You know, like I'm in, you've got me. How do I, how do I get some of those things? How do I position myself to be entrusted by God to receive what sounds like a key to the universe. If I have the power to withstand evil, that sounds like an important thing to have. It's a key to life. How do I position myself so that I can be a recipient of that? I mean, in addition to the things that I've already said, let's get practical. That's a pretty big question, and I realize it's a scary question for me because I feel like my credibility is on the line now. You know, I've been talking theoretically. This is what it is. This is what it is. And now I'm going to venture to tell you how to get it which is going to give you something to do, and come back to me and go, yeah, or maybe not. And so I feel like my credibility is on the line. But let's talk about how to get some of this kingdom authority. Uh, first of all, I want you to know it's okay to think about it in terms of getting it, like getting some uh, of this kingdom authority. Um, not because it's so quantifiable, but because I think, I think everybody who walks in kingdom authority, will be able to readily talk about a time in their life when they were Christians, but they didn't walk in kingdom authority. That it was, uh, maybe they weren't aware of it or hadn't really developed certain realities in their own spiritual life to be able to walk in kingdom authority. But I, uh, myself and everybody I know that has the privilege of walking in kingdom authority will, will, will be able to tell you about a time when it wasn't true, that that's not, that wasn't readily accessible uh, for them. And so I think if you talk about how can I get some, it's okay. Because how can I cross that line where I begin to operate in the realm of this kingdom authority? And I I think that uh, receiving and operating in kingdom authority is really a, a function of a couple things. And the first is time. That as you walk with Jesus, as I'll try to explain in some detail this morning, um, we create space for kingdom authority. And so it is a function of time. I think that true kingdom authority is most readily entrusted to those who have walked with Jesus for some while. And so it is a function of time. But the other thing it's a function of is risk. Risk. That the more risk we take in the kingdom, the more risk we take, then the more, uh, the more kingdom authority we'll require. So just walking with Jesus for some length of time doesn't guarantee kingdom authority if you've done so safely. You know, if you've done so very safely, haven't really taken the risks, haven't really walked through those risky doors that God has opened for you, 
But as you, over time, when you walk through those doors, the function of time and risk will create uh, opportunity to experience kingdom authority. I had a nice long conversation uh, on the telephone this week with Robbie Dawkins, and he and I were talking about the conference and talking about Jesus and talking about church, and really, I'm so excited that he's going to come and be able to minister to us in the ways that he is. And we were talking about this risk aspect, and he said his heart is really broken. Maybe, I don't want to steal any of his thunder. Maybe he'll talk about this in the conference, but his heart is really broken because the Vineyard as a Movement used to be a very risky kind of deal. And he said, and now it seems like when he travels from vineyard to vineyard to vineyard to do these things, he said that the highest level of risk that many people experience is the risk of getting up from their seats and coming and getting prayer or getting up and coming and giving prayer. I mean, here we're in a safe, a perfectly safe environment, if you will. And I understand the social pressure that's attached to that kind of a thing. But come on, if this is the, if this is the greatest risk that we can take, and, or if we can't take this risk, we're really sure we're not taking the risk out there, right? And so if you're thinking about kingdom authority and wanting to get a hold of this, you have to realize that it's a function of two realities, time and the, the consistent uh, taking of risks in the kingdom. I hope Robbie will talk about that when he's here. Well, then how do I begin to get it? If, I, if it's going to be a function of time, how do I begin the process? How do I begin the process? Well, I think it starts by envisioning it. Number one, I want you to envision. 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 What would you do with kingdom authority if you had it? I mean, do you just want it? (laughs) Do you just want it because it looks cool? You want to have that bullet in your gun? (laughs) What would you do with it if you had it? I mean, what would be the land how would the landscape of your life change if God entrusted you with kingdom authority? How would the priorities of your life change if you had kingdom authority? Is it something that you just want to come and make your life easier? Newsflash. Newsflash. (laughs) Newsflash. When you get a bigger gun, you face a bigger enemy. All right? Just a warning. I, I I don't like to be one of those people that shows you this fine print later. All right? When you take a bigger gun, you take on a bigger enemy. And so what would you do with it if you had kingdom authority? I mean, what would you really do with it? Would you be more aggressive in the sharing of your faith? Would you be more assertive in praying for the sick? Would you be a person who would dare to put yourself in the position of taking on a deliverance ministry to set people who are oppressed by demonic spirits free? What would you do with it if you had it? Because it's only going to come as you receive, as you develop faith, as you develop faith, which God has already given you. But the Bible says that faith, faith, is something like the evidence of things hoped for, substance hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What can you see? What can you see on the screen that would be your life if God gave you kingdom authority? If it's the same life that you have now with kingdom authority, I don't think you're going to get it because that's not a life of faith. What are you envisioning your life could be? How could God use you if you had kingdom authority? So begin there. If you want to receive it, envision it. Number two, you need to draw near to God. Draw near to God. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, Jesus said something very familiar to so many of us. He said, come to me. 
come to me. Come to me. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now that whole yoke image, that's close. That's close to Jesus. Jesus said, take my yoke. I'm on one side. I want you to be on the other. That's a good partner to have. I don't know if, you know, oxen like communicate with each other or if they wonder, oh, I hope I get that guy as a partner because he looks really strong. But, you know, Jesus is saying, come on, I want you to take the other spot. Well, that's a good partner to have because of his strength, but I want you to think about the proximity that those two oxen are. That, those, that those, as they pull, they live in constant shoulder-to-shoulder, side-by-side proximity, and that's what Jesus is saying. And kingdom authority is something, listen carefully, that only God can give you. Kingdom authority cannot be mediated to you by another brother, another sister in the Lord. Did you hear that? Only God can give you kingdom authority. As you take your seat with Christ in the heavenly realms, only God can give you kingdom authority. So you have to draw near to him to get it. It's not something that I can give you. Have you ever wondered why, with all of our emphasis here at the Vineyard on equipping the saints for ministry and you know prayer ministry and all this stuff, that we never have like a commissioning service like some churches do? We never say, hey, these people have completed prayer ministry training. We're now going to commission them to have the authority to pray for you. Come on up if you have and we'll pray for you. We never do that. We never do that with home group leaders. These guys are now home group leaders. Let's come on up here. Hey, Ron and Kathy, you're home group leaders. Onomatopoeia, we're going to lay hands on you now. And we're going to commission you, give you authority. The reason is because we don't have any authority to give. That's religion. When the church hands out authority, that's religion. Only God gives authority. Jesus said that real clear, clearly. The only authority any of you guys have is that which is given to you by God. Paul also repeated that in Romans. The church cannot give authority. One who has kingdom authority cannot give kingdom authority. Only the king can give kingdom authority. And so you have to draw near. And you say, well, what about praying like you prayed for ordained pastors and ordain and install elders and stuff? What's that about? That's recognizing an authority that's already there. That's what that is. That's not saying, okay, now, now you're going to receive authority that you didn't have before. It's we recognize the kingdom authority in you as a pastor, as an elder, and we recognize that. And it's important enough for us to say so out loud as a recognition of the community. But I want you to know that the kingdom authority is something that only God can give you. So we draw near to him. We draw near to him in prayer. We draw near to him in worship. We draw near to him in eight other ways, which I'm going to tell you in a minute. Kingdom authority was something that Jesus gave to his 12. I'd say they were pretty close, eh? Pretty close. Yeah, they ate, breathed, slept, walked, all together for three years. That's close. You've got to draw near to God consistently over time to be in a position to receive this kingdom authority. All right? And then number three, it's not just about drawing near, but number three, I want my teaching is that, that you need to make space for it. You need, to, you need to make space for it. Okay, so you envision it. Here's what, would ha- here's what I believe would happen, Lord. I'm drawing near to you, and now you need to make space for it. I think in reality, 
the truth is that most of us really do not have room for kingdom authority. What? Most of us do not have room for kingdom authority because our lives are crowded with many other things. Our, our lives are crowded with many other priorities. By living in the culture in which we live, the time in which we live, our lives are crowded. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to squeeze a relationship with God into an already overfilled life. And we're trying to cram it in there and make it fit with the rest. And you know, I think what the Lord was saying over and over again in the Gospels was it doesn't fit in with the rest. It's a full transformation. It doesn't fit. In fact, there can be no com- competition. He got really serious about that and used some extreme examples. He said, unless you love me more than husband, wife, father, sister, mother, kids, you, you're not worthy of me. It doesn't fit with the rest. And I think that, that substantially, as Americans, our lives are so full that we do not have space for kingdom authority. And we need to create space for that. Ask me how. Number one, live in constant obedience to your understanding of the Word of God. Live in constant obedience. This, this creates space. You want to create space? Live in constant obedience to the Word of God. John fourteen fifteen. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. That part of the love relationship we have with the Lord is obedience. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. If you're living in love relationship with me, you will naturally obey my... And if you're not obeying, you should wonder if you're living in love relationship with Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey my command. The natural result of a love relationship is not only esteem for the person with whom you're in love, but obedience to their desires. A surrender to their, to their desires. I mean, within limits in human relationship, of course, but with no limits with God. Does that make sense? And obedience begins to create space. Obedience, listen, obedience to God carves out space for kingdom authority to come because it carves out space for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. A lot of people in America hear the word of God, yes? A lot of people, millions upon millions upon millions of people in America hear the word of God. How many are obeying? How many are obeying? How many in this room are obeying the word of God? Hearing the word of God and obeying it. Sensing the stirring of God and obeying it. Being obedient to the word of God. Disobedience, disobedience crowds out, crowds out the Holy Spirit. Disobedience fills the space that the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. Obedience to the Word of God, as you understand it, as you hear it, as you're stirred by it, obedience creates space, open places inside of you for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and to bring kingdom authority. Now, no one I know of, no one I know of is perfectly obedient. No one. But listen, obvious disobedience to the Word of God in your life disobedience of which you are aware will choke out kingdom authority. So if you're sitting there right now under some level of conviction, not by me, I'm just like you. I live under the conviction of the Word of God also. But as the Word of God is speaking to you right now, going, you have an area of obvious disobedience in your life. Could be anything. 
could be anything. We're not a church that makes lists of what the sins are. Okay? We're really not. Doesn't mean we're against them. We are. And we're against them because they choke you to death. But you put yourself in the Word of God. You're serious in pursuit of the Word of God, of God, and you put yourself before Him. He'll make the list. And you know what it is. And if you are rationalizing some aspect of your life, some behaviors in your life, some condition in your life, rationalizing it, saying, well, yes, but I'm an exception. Yes, but, yes, but, it's still disobedience. It's disobedience, and the downside of that, can you be forgiven? Of course. But don't live in willful disobedience and go, oh, I don't, there's nothing to this kingdom, of, kingdom authority. There's nothing to this experience of God thing that he's talking about. Because the disobedience will choke out the room for the kingdom authority to come. Does that make sense? Okay. I think it's fair to say that the Father is looking for those who are going to be faithful stewards of the kingdom authority. How do we demonstrate that? By being obedient in the small things. Why would God give us a big thing if we have not demonstrated obedience in the small things, in the daily things? In fact, Jesus told the story about these guys who were given these talents, and one didn't do so well, and two did better. And to the ones who did well, he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You want to be put in charge of big things? Kingdom authority is a big thing. You have to be faithful in the small things. No one is perfectly obedient, but if you are in a condition of your life right now where you're going, you know, I know that's what the Bible says, I know what that's the Bible teaches, but I'm an exception, you're wrong. You're not an exception. You're wrong. You're listening to the wrong voice. And you're choking out your life with God. I also want you, uh, if you want to make space, in addition to obedience, there's something else you can do, and that's develop the regular practice of classical spiritual disciplines in your life. Classical spiritual disciplines, man, that's... Sounds technical. Listen, for centuries, people have been seeking God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Prepare to gasp, but we're not the only Christians. I know. And we're not the only ones who have ever been. We're not the only ones who have ever been, but for centuries, people have been taking this Bible thing and the Holy Spirit and and seeking God. And one of the things that's grown out of that is something called classical spiritual disciplines, which... uh, to a great extent are largely overlooked in America today because, they're, because of the word discipline. <laughs> See that? See how that works? Yeah. I'm going to give you my ten favorite right now. I'm going to go through them real fast, but listen up. If you want to create space, the first one is prayer. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's going to God consistently, consistently having conversation, learning to have two-way conversation with the God who loves you. That's prayer. Second is fasting. Fasting. Well, Americans love this, obviously. Fasting. Fasting. Fasting is a classical spiritual discipline, which at its core is to go without food for the purpose of spending that time with God and creating an an enormous dependence on God. When we fast, when we fast, when we fast privately, secretly, as Jesus says, without telling other people, oh, I'm fasting, look at me. You might as well, you're just hungry then. You're not fasting, you're just hungry. But when you fast, when you move into the presence of God in fasting, and nobody else knows about that, he's carving out space 
carving out space for kingdom authority. The disciples tried to cast out a demon they couldn't cast out, and they said, how come? Jesus said, this kind only comes out with much prayer and fasting. You didn't carve out enough space, boys. You didn't carve out enough space for kingdom authority. Uh, Worship. Worship is a classical spiritual discipline. Worship is something you decide to do. Sometimes you say, I feel like worshiping. Sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. It's always a decision. All of these are. They're always a decision. Sometimes you go, oh boy, I get to pray. Other times you go, I'm going to go pray. Because it's what I'm called to do. Number four is confession. Confession. You want to make space? Then come clean with somebody. The Bible says in James, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You want to you <laughs> you find room? Then be authentic with somebody. Find, as I said a few weeks ago, your sump pump brother. Somebody that you can open the cover of your sump pump and say, look at this crap in here. I confess this to you. Will you pray for me? I've already confessed it to God. I've already been forgiven. But could you come into this sump pump with me and help me out? That's a, that's a spiritual discipline. It's been practiced for centuries. And when you do that, it creates space for kingdom authority. When you continue to hide your secret sins, that's a place the Holy Spirit ain't going. And it limits. Solitude, 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 getting alone. Getting alone, being with God. Some people say, I don't feel God unless I'm with other people, unless it's happening. That's a problem. That's a problem. It's a problem the other way if you, only, if you don't want to be in company, too. But it's a problem. You need to get alone. Silence. Silence is a classical spiritual discipline where you just stop talking. Stop talking. For God's sake, shut up. That's when you'll hear. Some of you know it's been my pleasure and some other people in this room, their pleasure to go down to the Abbey of Gethsemane outside of Louisville, Kentucky in a Trappist monastery down there. It's a silent order and just check in for a week. It's like fasting from words. It's amazing. Study. Study is a classical spiritual discipline. Study not to know, not for information, but study for formation. Reading, studying so that God can form you. Meditation, meditation. Just meditating on the Word of God, meditating on the presence of God. Simplicity is a spiritual discipline. Simplicity. Many of you will not experience kingdom authority because you live such complicated lives, such complex lives. So many plates are in the air at the same time. And that doesn't make space. It doesn't make room for your attention. And then number 10 of my favorite on the list is submission. Submission. Where we just humbly submit. We humbly submit to people. You know, kingdom authority has, um, has an interesting uh, aspect of submission to it. Uh, maybe I'll get to that next week. Submission. Anyway, for longer explanations, read uh, two, two great books, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster and The Spirit of the Disciplines, by Dallas Willard. These two books are outstanding books that talk about the uh, spiritual disciplines. Okay, listen. This is how we make space. This is how we make room inside of us to receive kingdom authority. This isn't something that we're going to open up and go, well, there, I got my kingdom authority. Look at that. It's a function of time. It's a function of risk. And during that time, 
We were obedient during that time. We practiced spiritual disciplines. God creates space. But I want you to know that the practice of these spiritual disciplines are not meant to be ends in themselves, but they're meant to lead us somewhere. Some people fast and go, well, there I fasted. No, 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 that was, the, that was the path. That was the road. Where did you go? Did you come into the presence of God or just check the fast off the list? Or whatever the spiritual discipline. But they're doorways into the realm of the kingdom is what these spiritual disciplines are. They're connections between God, God's heart and yours and they're conduits to the release of the, of the kingdom authority. That's about all i got to say about that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just come to you now this morning and grateful for your desire to pour out kingdom authority on us. Wow, what a life this is, Lord, when you come in your power and pour out your kingdom authority. What an amazing change it is. It's hard sometimes too, Lord. The devil doesn't like it when we step into these realms, but we're willing to fight if you're willing to do the fighting. We're willing to wear the armor, Lord, if you're willing to do the fighting in front of us, and we know you are. So we just come to you at this point in our lives and we say we're tired of living down watered-down versions of what it means to be a Christian. We're tired of being handed our lunch or whatever by the enemy and these constant repetitive uh, kind of sins or these battles that we continue to lose. And the Spirit of God, would you come now and would you rescue your people? And would you begin just to minister, minister in the depths of kingdom authority in this place, Lord? You are the king. You are the true authority. So come in your power and strength and might in the name of Jesus. Amen.